Thanks for listening to the River Claremont podcast. We pray you are encouraged by today's message. For more information or to stay connected with what's happening at the river, follow us on Facebook and Instagram at the River Claremont. Well, I'm excited to minister this morning. Turn with me in your Bible to 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 21. Let's see what the Lord has for us this morning. Father, thank you for your anointing upon me to deliver your word this morning. May it not be words of man's wisdom alone, but may it be words that come from the heart of God and the throne of God to penetrate our hearts and minds and bear forth much fruit in the days, the weeks, the months, and the years to come. Holy Spirit, I yield everything that I am to you and say, whatever you want to say, let it be said. Whatever you don't want said, may I not say it. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. 2 Corinthians chapter 1 says, Now he who establishes us with you in Christ and has anointed us is God, who also has sealed us and given us the Spirit in our hearts as a guarantee. I'll read that again. He who establishes us with you in Christ and has anointed us is God, who also has sealed us and given us the Spirit in our hearts as a guarantee. I want to speak to you today a message I entitled The True Riches, which is the anointing of God, the supernatural presence of God that many ministers have described as a tangible presence of the Lord. Tangible means that you can reach out and touch it. You can grab it to signify that when the presence of the Lord is upon someone in a capacity, in a realm, in an area, there is a presence attached to that that is very real. It's not something that we hype up. It's not something that we try and emotionalize. It is literally you are aware that something supernatural is happening in that moment. Your hair might stand up on your arms. I mean, feels like lightning about to strike in the room. Feels like fire, feels like heat, but it's the tangible presence of God upon a someone, which the Bible says is the true riches of heaven. Oftentimes, if you really think about it in this world, wealth is the anointing of this world. That people acquire great wealth, billionaires live however they want to, buy whatever they want, price doesn't matter, people don't matter. It is the anointing of this world that through the anointing of the world, they can acquire and possess whatever they desire. But let me tell you something, that is fleeting. Because this life is but a vapor and it is gone. And you may tap into the, the anointing of this world and great wealth. But if you don't have the true riches of God, the anointing of his presence, you will be found empty on the other end. The anointing of this world is false. It makes you feel like you have great power and great prestige. But at the end of the day, it is empty as just as hearts are without Christ in it. It does not possess the power to change people's hearts. Only the anointing of God possesses that power. And today I felt to speak along the lines being that oftentimes I think the church knows everything that I know or has been everywhere that I've been or has heard everything that I've heard and some of the real key ingredients of a spirit-driven church I forget to minister along. And the anointing of God is a lifelong pursuit of a person that realizes in all the hustle and bustle of this world, you can acquire wealth. You might be broke right now, but you could go on YouTube and not even go to college and you could discover 
a key ingredient to producing wealth. And you could produce wealth. I read just the other day of a girl that is worth 660,000 pounds, which is nearly a million dollars. All she did was start a website that gives Chinese people names for their babies in English. She's 21 years old and she's already a millionaire from one website. And so let me tell you something. You can produce wealth. You can get educated. You say, I'm born in the country, the woods of Kentucky. My closest neighbor had no shoes till he was 21 years old. My daddy owned a steel, and let me tell you, it would curl the paint off of a car. You can start wherever you start, but you can acquire knowledge. You can study. You can grow. You can develop yourself. You can take talents, and you can really use those talents, stretch yourself, and get better and better at things, but you can never produce the anointing. The anointing is God's and God's alone. You can build yourself strong. You can do great things to, to stretch yourself. But the anointing is not something man possesses the power to purchase. You can't buy God. You can't manipulate God. And you can't fake God. You can try it, but the fruit will not be there. The anointing comes from heaven. God disperses it upon a person's life that has been found pure and found desirable, that has been weighed, been measured, and now God stamps your life with approval or authenticity from above. The anointing is God's stamp upon your life. You can't fake the anointing. You can have talent to sing, but when the anointing is there, there's something more than talent that is operating in the room. The atmosphere changes. People's hearts are unlocked. You know, the Bible says that the spirit of the Lord was upon Christ. He has anointed me to bind up or mend the broken heart. Men are broken until they encounter the anointing. They could be billionaires, but they're broken vessels that cannot contain anything that is life-giving whatsoever until the anointing is discovered. The anointing is the key ingredient to taking broken things and making them whole. You got to go after it. It's everything. The anointing is what Catherine Kuhlman said from her mouth has cost me a thousand deaths. To signify that if all the desires and all the fleets of flesh and pleasure and, and pursuits that she died time after time to the fleshly desires and the leading of this world to keep going after God's presence. The anointing upon her life catapulted her as a name that is still spoken of many years after she has left this earth because she impacted this world with something greater than this world can produce on its own. The anointing is what Reinhard Bonnke stumbled upon when as a 21-year-old man walking down the streets of London, he was supernaturally and accidentally led to the door of George Jeffries. An evangelist that was a part of the Welsh revival that shook the nation of Wales. So powerful was the revival that, they, that men would go to drink in the pubs and their arms couldn't lift the alcohol to their lips. And the glory of God would fill the pub and people would fall on their knees and start crying. It was so powerful that they had to retrain the donkeys how to go into the coal mines or the, the mines because they had cussed so much before. Donkeys responded to cuss words. But when they got saved and sanctified, the donkeys didn't know what they were saying because they weren't saying filth anymore. 
Come on, you know it's true. Before I got saved, every adjective and adverb I knew was a four-letter word. Then I meet Christ, and before I know it, I have a brand new vocabulary. Never tried to clean it up, never meant to clean it up, but suddenly things that came from within aren't coming out anymore because he took those things out and he put pure things in. Jesus. George Jeffrey was a Welsh Revival. 21-year-old Reinhard Bonnke stumbles on his house, knocks on the door. George Jeffrey says, come in. And perceiving in that moment that his life was leaving and that this was a man pursuing the call of God, he wrapped him up. He wept over him and then he cried and he said, Lord, every bit of anointing you have placed upon my life, saturate this young man right now with this. 21 years old, Reinhard Bonnke lived to be 77 years old and God gave him 77 million souls. A million souls for every year he walked planet earth. Guys, there's something that God wants to release in you but you've got to come to him with an openness and say, Lord, I desire the anointing, the true riches. It's the presence of God. It's supernatural. The anointing is what Reinhard Bonnke cried, or not Rodney Howard Brown cried out for three hours in a youth meeting of reformed Dutch people that don't even believe in speaking in tongues or the power of God whatsoever. And he's screaming, God, I want your fire. And when the power of God came on him, he couldn't even speak in English for three solid days. They drug him into a, 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 to a bus and the presence of God so strong upon him wrecked an entire group of girls that went back to their school and revival broke out for six months that shook the entire school that they were a part of. We're talking about an ingredient that is necessary in this final hour and that is the ingredient that only heaven can bring, the supernatural anointing of God upon your life. Do you want it? If you want it, say amen. Amen. Acts chapter 6 is one of the greatest evidence in the word of God of the power of the anointing. When we read Acts chapter 6, it's the early church things are just starting. They're feeding the poor. They have a, a program to feed those that are hungry. But people are complaining because this person got pork loins and I didn't get pork loins. I only got crackers and it's not fair that they get pork loins and I get crackers. So they appointed six men. That the Bible says we're full of the Holy Spirit already and full of faith. These are great men, solid in the things of God, full of the Holy Ghost. Yet something transpired when the elders that had walked with Jesus had been the very hands that handed out the food that multiplied and watched every miracle Jesus did when they laid hands upon Philip and Stephen. Philip got something so supernatural. He went to a city of Samaria. He preached Jesus and the whole city was shaken by the hand of God. Then he ran down and caught up to a eunuch and was translated by the glory of God. Stephen grabbed a hold of something so real and tangible that the Bible says they couldn't resist the power with which he spoke. Man, he went from being Stephen to Stephen 2.0 to Stephen that had something the world cannot purchase and the world cannot hold back from. The anointing breaks every yoke of bondage. It cuts into the hearts of men and it delivers truth in an hour when we need truth in America right now. We need men and women anointed by God to stand up. Come on, somebody. The Bible talks about Jesus laid it out in Hebrews. Well, Jesus laid it out, but Paul wrote it in Hebrews of just the elementary things of the faith of Christ. Repentance, salvation, 
baptisms, the laying on of hands. The laying on of hands was established by Jesus because it was a supernatural impartation. It was how healing was delivered. It was how miracles transpired. It was how great and glorious things happened. That through the laying on of hands, things transpire. The anointing of God on your life is not something that you study to acquire. It is something that you humble yourself to catch. It's something that you perceive on a person and say, whatever it takes, I'm going to receive from that anointing upon my life. It's something that when you read the Bible and you read what Paul wrote to Timothy, you begin to understand how does the anointing function? In 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 14, it says, do not neglect the gift that is in you. Let me stop right there before we go any further. In this room right now, there are many of you that have been students of revival. You've had such anointed hands laid upon you. But let me tell you something. It's time to utilize the gift that has been placed on the inside of you. It's time to step from the place of receiving all the time to learning how to give. What you have freely you have received, therefore freely give. There's a gift on the inside of you. Stir up that gift, the Bible says. Fan the flames of it. The Bible says, 1 Timothy 4.14, Do not neglect the gift that is in you, which was given to you by prophecy with the laying on of the hands of the eldership. So how did he receive it? He received it by the anointed men and women of God in the church laying hands on him and something was imparted. The anointing of God is an impartation. It's a heavenly thing. It's a supernatural thing. It's a thing where you come to God with a pure heart and you recognize that you need something from God to keep moving forward and God puts something the world cannot give you on the inside of you. The anointing in Luke chapter 16 is described as this. He that is faithful and that which is least is faithful also in that which is much. But he that is unjust in that which is least is also unjust in much. If therefore you have not been faithful in the unrighteous mammon, who will commit to you the true riches? And if you have not been faithful in that which is another man's, who would ever give you that which is your own? No servant can serve two masters, for you will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. We're living in a day and age where it's becoming very evident. There is a dividing line between believers and unbelievers. There is a dividing line between those of faith and those not of faith. It is right at our front doorstep for some of us where you are being presented with a challenge right now. Make a decision. Walk away from things you've put 20 years into or decide to follow the plan and the call of God upon your life. It is coming right to your doorstep. A decision is before you. And you have to decide, are you going after the things of this world or are you trusting that Jesus will back you every step of the way? And let me tell you something concerning the wealth of this world. It is fleeting because you could wake up tomorrow and the United States dollar be worth absolutely nothing. You could wake up tomorrow and your account be frozen because they have labeled you an extreme right-wing person. But let me tell you something. If they freeze your accounts or the money is not worth anything, we still serve a God that will send a bird with bread and flesh. We
We still serve a God that can take a boy's lunch and multiply it a thousand times over. We still serve a God that can rain down, rain any moment of your life. You've got to grab on to the supernatural. If your faith is resting on that which you own in this world, you will not have what it takes to get through the next hour that is coming. It is a time to draw a line in the sand and say, come what may, I trust in the word of the Lord. I trust in the anointing of the Holy Spirit. I will break through. I will rise above. Any giant that stands in my way will find out that the five stones were not just stones anointed from a river. They were stones anointed by the glory of God. And that glory is on the inside of me today. I have what it takes because I counted the cost. And I realized I could spend my life pursuing things that are fleeting, that are empty, or I could pay the cost and I could get something straight from God. And I don't know about you, but I would rather have my heart tested from God now than live 50 years and find out I wasted all 50 years going in the wrong direction. The anointing is the true riches of heaven. Riches from a resource that has no limits. This world is literally built on an understanding of finite resources. The oil's running out. We don't have enough money. There's not enough gold. There's not enough food. We're in a food shortage. We only have three-day food supply. Everything you hear is based on a finite number. But when you come to God, there is literally no limits, no boundaries. He has resources that stay for billions of years. Come on, somebody. Pour it out. Remember when I was in college? It's crazy. This popped in my spirit. It was like right when the Pope was being, whatever they do, they is it an election? I don't even know what they call that. It's not really an election. It's like an appointment, or I don't know. And they put this colored smoke out, and everybody's like, "Yay, we have a new Pope!" You know, it's green or whatever the color is. I don't even know. Sorry if I'm mocking your faith. I have no idea. But actually, I'm I'm not really sorry anyway. <laughs> I got to tell the truth. I'm not actually sorry. I don't care. <laughs> but right in this time period, and then they're electing this pope. But at the same time, there was a story that was going on from Egypt of a young girl that had been found buried alive in a tomb. And I don't know if you remember this story. It went around the world, but it was overshadowed by the election of the new pope, you know. But this young girl was buried alive with her baby brother. And the, the dad had murdered the mom and buried them alive because the mom was a believer. And so buried them alive and left them for dead. Days later, they have discovered and tracked down and realized what had happened, and they wound up un uncovering this tomb, and, and the kids were both alive after being locked in a tomb for many days. And the little girl, they weren't even hungry-looking. They weren't even dirty. They came out bright-eyed, baby boy in her hands, and they said, "We how... How did you stay alive in a tomb? And she said, every day, a man would walk into the tomb. He would play with my little brother for hours, and he would give us food to eat. And they said, a man? But he were buried alive. And they said that he played with us for hours. They said, well, who is this man? And she said, his name is Jesus. His name is Jesus. Guys, that's the God that we serve. We don't serve a fluff-making God. We don't serve a God that is only found in black and white writing on a page. We serve a God that is alive. When you read the word, the author's standing right beside you. He's the risen king.
He is all that he has ever said he was and so much more. If you spent a hundred years, eight hours a day searching the depths of the Spirit of God, you would still not even begin to scratch the surface of what he has available to you. But it begins with a heart change. It begins with a heart attitude to say, God, I want that. In all the loud noise around me, I have found that there is one thing that I desire above everything. Over wealth, over fulfillment, over approval of man, over a celebration of life. I want you and I want you alone. I want you to search me, God. I want you to search deep in my spirit and I want you to make me who I'm supposed to be. I trust you with all that I am. You cannot produce the anointing on your own. It only comes from God. So to obtain it, you have got to boldly go to the throne of grace. The Bible says, who will ascend the holy hill of God? Who will get to that place? Only he with clean hands and a pure heart. The one that says to God, search me, God, I'm coming after you. And anything not right in me, I trust you to get it out of me entirely. You want to take it, you take it. You want to put it in, you put it in. But you do what you do, and I'm yours all the way, every step of, the, of my life. I trust you, God. See, the anointing is real. It's transferable. When George Jeffrey laid hands on Reinhard Bonnke, you know that something happened because Reinhard Bonnke didn't do weak things. When Catherine Coleman said, I paid a price, you know she paid a price because the fruit of what she received was evident to the nations of the world. Well, that anointing is still available today. God is not running short of it. He's not waiting on someone else to die. He's looking for a heart just like David brought him a heart locked in the wilderness that is crying out saying, God, search me, find in me a heart you will pour out and put something so real on the inside of me that I will help shake this nation with the power of the gospel. Jesus. Jesus. God examines the heart. Man looks on the outside. But God looks past everything on the outside. God is not concerned with your current education level. You can struggle to read and be anointed from God. Are you with me right now? You can be born in dire poverty. And God will still anoint you and take you to places and stand you before kings. Because what God does, this world has no power to hold back or or keep bound up. He examines the heart though. Let's talk about the heart. It begins with the heart of man. Because we understand that God is looking to pour out. The Bible says in the last days saith God. I will pour out my spirit. I will pour out my spirit. I will pour out my spirit he says. So he will do that. So is he doing that in you? He says I'll pour it out upon all flesh. Your flesh. You, you meet every requirement. But is your heart right towards God? Because it's about a pure heart motive. You've got to get so in, in, in lock with this that your desire for the things, the purity of the kingdom of God, the true riches, outweighs your desire to be celebrated by man's opinion. I've learned throughout my life that some of the people I expected to be my cheerleaders were not my cheerleaders. That some of the people I thought would celebrate what God is doing in me would rather drag up who I was 25 years ago and throw that in my face than let me go on with the things of God. You know why? Because in their heart, they have not made up a decision that he is the way forward and I want him first and foremost. 
So they want to pull you back to who you once were. But let me tell you something. You will not be who you once were. You will be a new man. For the Bible says the anointing makes you a new man. The anointing of God. David's men were not great warriors. They were anointed warriors. There is a difference. The anointing breaks every yoke. Breaks every chain. When you're anointed by God, you slay the thousands. When you're not anointed by God, you are basically only as good as your talent level is. That's why Jonathan could look at his armor bearer and say, there's 30, 50, 30 or 50 Philistines up on the hill. Let's shout at them. Let's scream out. Let's get their attention. And if they tell us to come fight them, then we will know the Lord has given unto them. If you really read that, you're like, this is the stupidest battle plan that has ever been on planet Earth. Like you're beneath them on a hill, they're above you, they're 50 to 1 to you, and you're like, great idea. Let's reveal our location, let's shout at them. And the Bible says only Jonathan had a sword and the shield bearer only had a shield. So we only got one sword. (laughs) Quick, wave them down. That's the way to get it. Hey, look at us, there's two of us. You want us to come fight you? Come on told you they're ours like what a crazy shield bearer at this point he's probably just like well i'm going down in a blaze of glory so charge zeal kill every one of them supernatural because the anointing is supernatural it's a supernatural presence of god when you're anointed by god you will see things and do things that man cannot do you will walk in the supernatural things of god You will see the impossible. For those that know their God will do mighty exploits in his name. And this is the hour for mighty exploits to come in this generation once more. Mighty exploits. Your desire, how bad do you want it? How bad do you want the anointing? Because I've realized that many people are good at short bursts of faithfulness. Short bursts of excitement. But then they go right back to the monotony of this world and they get back entangled with the junk going on. The news, the job, the income, this, that, and that, and the other. Which the Bible talks about when the seed is sown, how quickly the enemy comes in and tries to entangle it in thorns, the affairs of this world, to get you sidetracked. We've got so many Christians sidetracked in this hour. You should have laser focus and realize, because the Lord told me this year, get my people under the anointing of God. You have to have the anointing to move forward right now. And you will move forward in Jesus' name. And you will do great things in Jesus' name. But you have to get to the point where you're not concerned with other people's opinions. If some Yahoo can come in and give you some, just discredit you and make fun of you and it makes you back off, then you'll always be the person stuck perpetually in the place of waiting. And then another thing, your desire for the things of God, for the anointing, the true riches of God, has got to outweigh every reason to quit. Because you will have many reasons to quit along the road of the pursuit of the things of God. David had many opportunities to quit. Many reasons to quit on the long road to become king that he was anointed for. But he didn't stop. He kept going. Too many Christians quit just because, listen, I'm the pastor of this church. Do you know that people in this church have offended me? I would stand at the most verbal regurgitation of junk you could ever imagine you did this wrong you're wrong here your prayer you're not right here you should know better than that you're doing this wrong just boom 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 slap you up and down now if i endure that 
Do I just now decide I'm not going back to the River Claremont because there are jerks in the River Claremont? We, we, have the, we, we go after the presence of God. The power of God falls. I mean, people are crying. People are weeping. And still somehow there's that tear among the wheat that just sits there like a blinking bullfrog in a hailstorm <laughs> waiting for an opportunity to run right to you when you're like, God, you're so good. They run to you with some stupid thing to say. Who can testify that that's happened? Wave your hand at me. Happens in the most anointed of areas. Anointing brings in every moron you could imagine. <laughs> Flaw moths are attracted to light. They're like, <laughs> be like sitting there hearing angels sing, and they come and tell you the toilet papers ran out. I don't care. <laughs> Go to the bathroom and home. If all you do is come here and sit on our pot and make a deposit, I pray you reap it good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. My God, do you not feel what's happening? But people are living. The Bible says there's tares sown among the wheat. And he says these two will grow together until Jesus comes back. Why he decided that, I don't know. I guess because it's part of the testing of the heart. Because you will have the person that comes and cuts you and says things and you got to make a decision. Am I going to let this take me out? Am I going to let the giants that mock me, the family that ridicules me, the people that come against me be the one to get in my heart and contaminate my heart so that I'm full of hate? Oh, get this right now. You might regurgitate it on me, but I will take this to the Lord and I may cry for an hour. But once I'm done crying, I'm coming out swinging with the glory of God. And I, everything that he wants me to do, I will walk in the upright night things of God. I will not be taken out just because somebody came and tried to attack me. You cannot respond to the world with the world spirit. You can't sit there and say, I want to be anointed, but I also want to just react how I want to react. The anointing will cost you that. Yeah. Where you're like, hey. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes the holiest thing you can do is go walk in the corner and pray in tongues. That's why God gave us tongues. Yeah. <laughs> and people try and bring up your past all the time. It's like you are, you're serving God. You've been faithful for years. And then someone always comes in. I can't, I've had Facebook. It's one of the worst inventions man has ever given us. I'll be like, you'll be going after the things of God. This has happened to me multiple times. Before I was saved, I was not saved. Okay. <laughs> we don't have to go on the details here, but most of us have a past. And that past is not this one of great hunky dory things. And so if you go after the things of God, you'll get some random message from a person that knew you in high school. Attacking you for one thing you did in high school. Like, bro, I'm 39 years old. I was like 16. I was number one, stupid as all get out, but also didn't have Jesus in my heart. And you're like, how does the person find you? When you're like, gear it up, man, we're going to war, we're going to battle, and then pfft, Remember that time you were 16 and you did that? No. Most of what I was 16, I have a black, like I don't remember a large portion of that. 
I don't actually even know that I know who you are. Your name doesn't even ring a bell. We sat by each other in every gym class. Well, I'm sorry. If your presence doesn't make a difference, your absence doesn't matter. <laughs> Obviously, our stories weren't integrated because you were going after something that I might have been going at that time, but now my path is different. And I am not the same man. Don't try and drag up what a dead man did because the dead man is dead and gone. He's buried in the ground. I don't have to go through counseling. I don't need to resurge it. I don't need 16 hours of deliverance from what was in my past because that guy's dead and a brand new creation is standing in front of you. A brand new man. Bought with a price. Anointed with the spirit of God. Set apart for a good master's use. My life is consecrated to God. I can't go where I want to go. If I could have gone where I wanted to go, I wouldn't have been in Claremont, Florida. And I'm not trying to say that to hurt anybody's feeling. I've grown to love Claremont, but I wouldn't have chose Claremont. I chose six other states before I even wound up in Florida. Are you kidding me? I didn't even know Claremont existed. And I said that the other day. Never heard of Claremont in my whole life. And then you come here and you're like, this place is awesome. We're right smack dab in the center of the state. We are the, we are the, we're the epicenter of the glory of God for the state of Florida. Let me tell you, and the whole nation's looking at Florida right now anyways, so look all you want, because you're about to see a move of God that's going to erupt across this nation, that's going to break every yoke of bondage, it's going to go from the White House to every house. It has no limitations. It has no boundaries. This move of God will shake this generation with the glory of God. One more time. One more time. And we're a part of that. We're a part of that. If you want anything in this world bad enough, you will, go, you will obtain it. And so what I'm telling you is don't get that desire wrapped up in something of this world. Understand the one thing I have to desire more than anything else is the presence of God. Let me tell you why you can trust the anointing. Because it comes from God. If a person walks in the anointing and they carry something greater than this world, you know that God has tested their heart. And that unifies because they can't make that on their own. People say, well, you can be anointed and live in hell. I don't think so. I think Samson pushed the envelope and the Bible says the spirit departed from him and he didn't even know it. So when he went out, as he had always gone out with the same power, he didn't have the same power he once had. Saul was disobedient to God and the spirit departed from him and it was anointed upon David to walk in it. And Saul was tormented from a spirit from hell from that day forward that only the anointing would alleviate off of his life. You cannot, cannot produce the anointing on your own. So literally every day, if you want to walk in the anointing every day, you have to remain yielded. And you have to go where he tells you to go and you have to say what he tells you to say. And you have to be who he's called you to be. And when he says today's a day of stretching, guess what? It's a day of stretching. Tell your wife to order some leotards because we need to be flexible. Baby, where we're going? Spandex will be the only thing that can take us there. Spandex, all spandex from here on out. If it ain't got stretch, it ain't of the Lord. You know what I'm saying? Amen. 
This is unfortunately how I minister all the time. I go from very serious holy moment to totally stupid moment. And yet somehow or other the Lord uses me. Amen. I hope. There will be many excuses to quit in your pursuit of God. Financial hardships. You know, most of the people, if you, if you actually, the Lord actually lays on your heart to break into the area of finances, do you know what you will encounter? You will encounter many opposition in that. Whereas you break into that area, it will look like everything is coming against your finances. And that is meant to stop you. That is meant for you to then agree with this for the rest of your life. But if you really keep your eyes on God, you realize circumstances is not what I come in agreement with. I come in agreement with the plan and the purpose of God in my life. And circumstances will have to yield way eventually. You can, you can do this for a season, but let me tell you, every season has an end. And this season will come to an end. And I will break ground because I am committed to not quit. I'll tell you something, your Father in Heaven has not quit on you not one time. God has never looked at a storm, never looked at a battle, and never decided not today. In fact, he's never looked at him and even been worried. He always pushes through. Our God is faithful and never quits. And that nature is on the inside of you because you are made in his image. Psalm 119 says, I have tried hard to find you, God. Don't let me wander from your commands. I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Talking about the weighing of the heart. See, I've realized, man, you can be an anointed preaching you can have prophetic words spoken over you. You can even have good friends. But it still is a personal, personal decision in your heart to say, no, I will not be led astray. I choose you, God. I want to be holy for you. I want to be pure for you. I want clean hands and a pure heart. I don't want to be manipulated, and I don't want to be impure, and I don't want to fake anything. I want to come to you and I want to get something that's real. So God, here I am. People are fake so much with, the, with themselves and fake so much with people around them. They actually wind up being fake with God. You got to say, God, get on the inside of me. Your desire for the anointing of God has got to outweigh your natural boldness. Because let me tell you, people think, well, I, 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 your natural confidence, all of this can take you so far. Some people are more confident than others, but God will always take you to a place where your confidence will fail. People say, I walk in faith. If you say, I walk in faith, but you've never had a moment when you were really shaking hands, you don't even know what faith is. People say, wait, wait, faith is the absence of fear, everything that people, faith over fear. Bro, faith will lead you out to a place where your flesh is screaming, your mind is going bananas, and you have to stay with the word of God and be like, God, please don't abandon me now. Because he will lead you into uncomfortable places. You want the anointing? Let God lead you to those uncomfortable places. Because half of what has been put on the inside of you, what Paul said to Timothy, don't neglect the gift. It's in you. He's put it in you. But you haven't stepped into the place where it's had to be pulled out of you. And when you step into that place, then you begin to realize the supernatural things of God. And on that note, let me just say, in the, in the area of impartation, the laying on of hands, the devil is a manipulator and a contaminator of everything that is pure. He is not a creator in any capacity. All he can do is manipulate or pervert what God does. So the devil's form of impartation is viruses and all of that junk. Death he imparts through touch. God imparts life through touch. 
That's why Jesus said lay hands on the sick because it is infectious. The kingdom of God is infectious in the best way. When you get around someone that carries the anointing, things come to life on the inside of you. I'm telling you, songwriters, there's suddenly lyrics popping on the inside of them. Business people are sitting there in a church service anointed and they're getting divine instruction of financial management. The anointing just springs things on the inside of you. Artists see things. It's life that explodes on the inside of you because it's the fullness of Christ. It's the anointing, the tangible evidence of God operating in a person's life. I want it. Do you want it? Your desire for the anointing has got to outweigh your talents. You can't function just in your talents alone. You got to let God take you to the place where you are not even well equipped for You're not talented for it. You suck at it. You know why? Because in your weakness, you're made strong. Because if you're talented for it, then you'll walk in that talent. The Lord called me into ministry. And let me tell you, I was terrified of public speaking. I mean, not just like a normal scared. I was like, I passed out in high school, lost consciousness, fell to the ground and woke up on the ground when I was asked to give an oral report about Billy Holiday in 11th grade. Locked my knees, fell unconscious, boom. Woke up, they're like, just sit down, we'll give you an A. <laughs> so like public speaking was not in me. I went to Bible college and I remember them saying, talking about the anointing. They're like, there are four ways to tap into the anointing of God. You can sing the anointing in the room. Well, those of you that have come to this church long enough know I do that all the time. It's just unfortunately not very talented. Now I sing, but at that time I knew I can't sing. I can't carry a tune in a bucket. That strangely just made me think of that weird song, There's a Hole in My Bucket. Dear, <laughs> I, it was like the most random thought. There's a hole in my bucket, dear Liza, dear Liza. Then fix it, dear Willie, you silly, then fix it. Jesus, help us today. Who remembers that song, unfortunately? Praise God. Not the only one. The rest of you guys have empty buckets because you don't know how to fix it. Liza taught us how to fix the hole in our bucket. The rest of you guys are toting around an empty bucket and this whole time not knowing. If you get anything from this, this message, may you get this. So I was terrified of public speaking. I wind up in Bible school. They're like, you can bring the anointing in the room by singing it. Well, I can't sing. You can preach it. And I'm like, well, I ain't preaching. <laughs> Tell you right now, I ain't about to get up in front of people and give a microphone. Heck no. Find some other moron to do that. I'll be the guy at the sound booth every time, hiding in the back room. And then they were like, you can pray the anointing in the room. And I was like, this is it. This is my calling. I'm not a singer and I'm not a preacher, but I'll pray. And I actually grabbed that. And I, I would develop myself in prayer to the point where I had that 95 Ford Ranger pickup truck. I would drive to work and I would pray in my pickup truck so intensely with the focus of, I want to change the atmosphere of the cab of my pickup truck. I want to feel the presence of God. It's a tiny little truck. If I can't feel this, how could I ever feel anything else? Some people out there in like a stadium like, oh God, bro, you never even filled a Pontiac. 
Like, let's get real here. You know, you're not Magneto level three or whatever. <laughs> Phenomenal cosmic power, bro. You can't even pray and get your cat to feel anything. <laughs> you laying empty hands on empty vessels is what you're doing. Start with where you're at and be honest and grow. But I would pray, and I remember tired, flesh worn out, praying, and then I would, like, the presence of God, because I would be, like, praying in tongues, prophesying, just going for it, and, like, your hair would stand up. And I'd be like, the presence of God is here right now. It's just me and a pickup truck. See, God doesn't need a stadium full of people shouting, let it rain. God just needs a vessel with a pure heart that's saying, this is it. I'm pursuing you. I'm pursuing you. I'm turned on to you right now. You're my everything, my all in all, the first, the last, the alpha, the omega, the bright, the morning star. I may not be your first choice. I may not be your second choice, but I'll be the loudest choice in the room because I will pray heaven in this place right now. I would stir it up till I would feel it. And then I would went from that to then we would be in like prayer, you know, circles and stuff. And everybody else would be like, you know how people, even Pentecostals in prayer circles, it's the most annoying thing to me when they pray. Their tongue language is like, like, could you enunciate the spirit language? Oh God. You know what I'm talking about. Every time, that's why I don't even do it in this church. Grab hands with your neighbor and pray. It's the way, it's like, Like, pray like you mean it. You know what I'm saying? If I'm going to have you lay hands on me, don't come and on me. Uh-uh. That ain't cutting it. I want you to be bold. I would rather you be like, than being like, like, what are we, like Ethiopians here? Opile. Opile. Goals up. What are we doing here? We ain't Swahilians. We, we spirit-filled people. But I get in a circle praying, and the people around you, you know, they're like, <laughs> and I'd be the dude that's like, Father, in the name of Jesus, I'll thank you right now. I mean, they're just like in a circle, like, who is this moron? Like, like, what is this dude doing right now? And I'd be like, Jesus. Because I'm not going to be that dude that said, if, if I can pray the anointing in the room, I'm going to pray the anointing in the room. People are like, well, God's not deaf. Yeah, but he's not nervous either. <laughs> Excitement lends itself to excited language. Amen. Amen. The most anointed scripture of the Bible or the version of the Bible is the Amplified because it's louder. Amen. <laughs> Get louder. Amen. Put some in it. And then they were like, you can give the anointing in the room. See, people think I don't know where I'm at in my sermon, but I know. Just by the way, we went off of notes a a while ago. (laughs) Not exactly certain why I ever have these, to be honest with you. One of these days I'll learn how to read, but it's hard to read and speak at the same time. You know what I'm saying? There's a lot, look at all these words. Who puts this many words on their notes? There's no way you can read all that. It's like a paragraph. Come on, Caleb. What's wrong with you? Put a bullet point. Jeez. (laughs) Homiletics 101. They said, you, you, you can give the anointing in the room. 
And man, there's something about that that moves God. When you recognize the anointing upon a person, to say, I'm going to tap into that anointing. See, the thing that you learn is, man, it's a great benefit. And one thing, one thing that shook my life to the core, because believe it or not, I actually used to battle very heavily with if the Lord loved me. I don't know where it came from. My dad was a great dad. I mean, we're not trying to doctor fill me up in this place, but <laughs> it came from you were 12. And you were pushed out of the sandbox. How did you know? Like, bro, I don't need that. You know? But I did have, I did have that, that thing of like, I was like, God, do you, do you, I mean, I just, I don't know. I just, like, I know you love me. But do you love me? And it could have been that I didn't love me. And so I'm going through this stage, and then I wind up getting the, the eyes of this gorgeous girl in, in, in the church. Nobody else saw anything in my life. I mean, nobody was like, this guy's anointed. She was like, this guy's anointed. Get you a woman that sees what anybody else can't see, and you'll do great things. Amen? So she saw in me what I didn't yet even see in me. And I wound up marrying her, of course. And it was a major moment when you're marrying the boss's senior boss, you know, I mean, he has like every title you could give him, your boss, your president, your pastor, your <laughs> dean. Your, I mean, like every, every, every authority figure in my life, you are right now, can I marry your daughter? <laughs> I fasted for three days to ask for permission to marry her. I mean, it was like terrifying. I was like, I ain't eating. I mean, I didn't know what to do. And I'm like, and I remember walking up the steps to him and just like, <laughs> You know that I like your daughter a lot, and if you would imagine in your heart that you could make you to marry her. <laughs> I have this rare talent of practicing multiple things to say at one time and then saying them all at the same time. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I'm like trying to be like this moment I met Vice President Pence. It was like the worst moment of my life. He's walking down the aisle. I'm like, this is it, my moment. Vice President Pence. I'm about to tell him. Vice President Pence, I love you. I'm praying for you. We believe in you. But then as he gets closer and I'm reaching out my hand to grab his hand, I'm like, nobody else is touching him right now. I'm probably not supposed to touch him. This is against Secret Service. They're going to shoot me. So now I'm like, apologize, apologize. So literally, here's Vice President Pence walking down the aisle, goes to grab my hand. And right as he goes to grab my hand, I pull it back and I'm trying to say, I love you. God bless you. I'm praying for you. And I'm sorry. And so I go, I mean, the dude literally is like, oh good. They let the special kid in. Like, like we're, I'm like mortified. Everybody's in there. It's just like great moment. I'm like, like never take me to meet a famous person. I will be the most awkward person in the room ever trying to be cool. Like, don't let me do it. Anybody else suffer from that? Where it's like you combine things, and sometimes when you combine things, you're like, I did not mean to say that at all. That was not the word that I was thinking of. When I married Kirsten, and I began to, to, to think, man, what a benefit, what a blessing to have access to a person that has stayed the test of time and walks in the anointing. 
I had access to him. I can call him. I can text him. I didn't have that before, you know what I mean? And not everybody has that. It's a great gift, but if you have to marry an anointed person or be chosen to be their armor bearer to get the anointing, then what problem are we presented with in this generation? And that's what we began to think, is that, well, only through really ingratiating and getting close and being that person with them. Can I get it? Because we look at the example of Kenneth Copeland that traveled with Oral Roberts. We look at the example of R.W. Schambach that was with A.A. Allen, and we think this is the key to it all. The key to it all is they traveled with them, and they paid the price to travel with them because their hearts was in tune with the anointing. And they said, whatever it takes, I'll fund my own and I'll travel with them. So if you never have access to a person of God of that level, the generals that God has raised up, it doesn't matter because you have access to him. But you've got to grab that and realize, man, he is watching me when I'm in my car alone, not just when I'm in a room full of people and somebody anointed is ministering. He will touch me in my prayer closet just as much as he will touch me in a seven-week extended revival. But the decision is entirely mine. Is my focus in place? Am I going after him? Am I pursuing the righteous things of God? Because you can't mock God. And you can't sow the flesh and then go to God in your prayer closet and get something that is true riches. Comes down to the heart desire. He will try the heart. And he takes you on this journey. Let me tell you, on this journey, you will begin to realize that it takes a lot longer than you want it to take to get to the areas that you see yourself getting to. You're like, God, I believe every born-again Pentecostal believer, faith, word of faith movement person, just declare from your mouth and things will happen. But there is something about the testing of time where there is perseverance that is required to keep moving forward despite many reasons or many options along the way, but to stay the course of time and say, God, I will not quit you. I will not quit you. I will not stop on you halfway. I've given you today and I will give you all the remainders of my tomorrows. And you will discover, God, that what I say I mean with you. And let your yes be yes and your no be no. And this pursuit of God, God's midnight hour is not the world's midnight hour. Come on, somebody. Our midnight hour ran dry January 26th, but we are still on God's midnight hour. And our God is still a supernatural God. And there are still miracles for this generation. And God is not through with this nation. America will be shaken by the glory of God. But it's going to take anointed men and women full of something that this world does not possess the power to disperse, but only you can get from God. And I pray that I'm stirring in your heart today an expectation for that anointing, a desire saying, God, I want it. Fresh, more, another level. And all of this, in my pursuit of the things that those that have been in this church, you've been following with me, this in me of where it shook me at the start of the year when I heard Pastor Rodney say, to go where God wants to take you, you've got to be willing to change every three to four months. And when he said that, it was like a thunderbolt in my chest that hit me. I was like, God, so what does that mean? It means that I have to be willing every day to walk away from everything that gives me assurance. I can't hold on to anything. If I, if I have to be willing to let it all go at a moment's breath, I don't need to be whipped up in an emotional frenzy. I have to just be obedient to God. It gets to a point where you, go, you know I'm pursuing you, God. 
And I'm going after you, God. And I'm going to press into your anointing. And they're going to lay hands on me. And I'm going to get something. And if I don't flop and I don't roll and I don't feel fire, it doesn't change the fact that I am pursuing you. I'm not pursuing a feeling. I'm pursuing the anointing. And sometimes you feel it and it rocks you. And sometimes you're like, God, I feel empty. But I am not moved by how I feel. I am moved by the word of God in this hour. And I know that you are not through with this church, with this city, with this state, and with this nation. And so I put myself under the presence of God and say, God, every day access all parts of me. Do the work that is necessary. I was telling people the other day, I've realized, man, God, if you're going to grow the church, please grow me first. I need you to grow me. I need you to pour out the oil in me. I need your wisdom. I need your anointing. I need to tap into things beyond what I've tapped into things. I'm hungry for God. And I know that if you want me to steward the things of God, then I have got to keep attached to you, Lord. But I can read the writing on the wall. And I can sense the turmoil right now. And the turmoil is not that God is nervous. The turmoil is that the kingdom of darkness is getting very shaky right now. He's starting to freak out. He's starting to lose control. Things are breaking loose in the enemy's camp of deception, wickedness. And let me tell you, don't think the enemy's camp is just the Democrats. Wake up, people, and realize that the enemy's camp is not red or blue. It's beyond that. There's the spirit of Antichrist, a worldly spirit that has rose up to shut down the church of God. But the anointed ones of God will stand in this hour with fire on the inside and an anointing on their spirit that will break every shackle off of this generation but you got to realize that to stand for that means the very people you're willing to stand for will be the ones to come and attack you they'll be the ones to misunderstand you they'll be the ones to think that you've missed it but you've got to stand your ground and say no bless god i know who i'm going after right now i will persevere i will persevere Because the purpose of it all is, as Jesus said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, the recovery of sight to the blind and to set at liberty those who are oppressed. This is the hour for the anointing of God upon the church. One more time. And in closing, let me close with this. If I can get Lolo on the keys. And I'm wrapping up and then we're going to baptisms and you'll be out of here by 12 o'clock tonight. <laughs> I preached at YWAM the other day and they came and told me, they said, you set a new record for the longest community night we've ever had. Praise God. Amen. I had one person that was on my side that kept saying, keep preaching, keep preaching. So I was obedient. <laughs> I know we were supposed to end a while ago, but she wants more. So I've got to keep preaching. Love, love that group of people, but the purpose, and let me, let me close with this. See, because we come and we've seen it in spirit-filled churches and hear it all the time, I want a double portion. Lord, give me a double portion. You don't get a double portion because you go into a prayer line and ask for a double portion. You get a double portion because whatever portion you get, you pour it out with all that you've got. And you don't stop multiplying it because the kingdom of God is a kingdom of multiplication. And if God gives you a drop, make a commitment to make an ocean. Because you never stop pouring from the drop that he gave to you. And you will discover that that drop will never run dry. It will never run out. It will never lose its power. 
that you don't need a deluge, you just need a drop. And if you get a drop, you be pure and you be faithful with that drop. And you keep going after God and God will increase you as you pass the test and you pass the, the time and you persevere and you work on yourself and you get yourself closer and closer to God. The anointing intensifies on a life that is found faithful. But there's no shortcut. There's no just give it to me now and I'll have it by Tuesday. It's something that God gives. But he imparts it through men and women of faith that have stood, that have prayed, that have pushed into the things of God, that have walked away from cares of this world, that have paid a price to stand where they stand. And we think it's all just talent or we think it's all just they were lucky. They're not lucky. God doesn't use lucky people. God uses people that have been tried, weighed, measured, and found pure. So trust the anointing of God. When you feel it, when you feel his peace, say, I don't understand everything God does, but I feel the peace of God. Then trust the peace of God. Well, I don't understand what's happening right now. Why do people scream? Why do people do this? Just trust what God is doing. But beyond that, what is he doing in you? And what have you let him access in you? The anointing of heaven is the most precious gift given to man outside of the blood of Christ. But think of the blood as a key that unlocked a door. And behind that is the anointing of God. The true riches of heaven. Thanks for listening to the River Claremont Podcast. If you'd like to partner with us in seeing lives touched and changed by the love and power of Jesus, you can give online at www.riverclaremont.com. Your prayers and financial support are changing lives.